everyone. Welcome to the Legal Leads podcast. This podcast brings you truth, power, and awareness. I'm your host, Mel Marie. Today, we'll be discussing the former President Trump's election indictment. This will be the sixth episode of an eight-part series covering the New York, Mar-a-Lago, and election indictments. And this episode will cover the first 15 pages of the election indictment developed by Special Counsel Jack Smith. This indictment was filed August 1st of 2023, and in part states, indictment. The grand jury charges that at the time material uh, to this indictment honor about the dates and the approximate time stated below. Introduction. The defendant, Donald J. Trump, was the 45th president of the United States and candidate for re-election in 2020. The defendant lost the 2020 election Despite having lost, the defendant was determined to remain in power. So for more than two months following Election Day on November 3rd, 2020, the defendant spread lies that there had been outcome determinative fraud in the election and that he had actually won. These claims were false and the defendant knew that they were false, but the defendant repeatedly repeated and widely disseminated them anyway to make this to make his knowingly false claims appear legitimate create an intense uh, national atmosphere of mistrust and anger and erode public faith in the administration of the election the defendant had a right like every american to speak publicly about the election and to even claim falsely that there had been an outcome determinative fraud during the election that he had won. He was also entitled to formally uh, challenge the results of the election through lawful and appropriate means, such as by seeking recounts or audits of the popular votes in states or filing lawsuits challenging ballots and procedures. Indeed, in in many cases, the defendant did pursue the methods of contesting the election results. His efforts to change the outcome of an, in any state through recounts, audits, or, or legal challenges were uniformly unsuccessful. Shortly after the election day, the defendant also pursued unlawful means of discounting legitimate votes and subverting the election results. In so doing, the defendant perpetrated uh, three criminal conspiracies. A a conspiracy to defraud the United States by using dishonesty, fraud, and deceit to impair, obstruct, and defeat the lawful federal government function by which the results of the presidential election were collected, counted, and certified by the federal government in violation of 18 U.S.C. 371. B. A conspiracy to corruptly obstruct and impede the January 6th a congressional proceeding at which the collected results of the pre- presidential election are counted and certified of the certification proceeding in violation of 18 USC 1512K and C, uh, the, a conspiracy against the right to vote and to have one's vote counted in violation of 18 USC 241. Each of these conspiracies, which built on widespread mistrust, the defendant was creating through pervasive and destabilizing lies about the election fraud, targeted the bedrock function of the United States uh, federal government. 
the national the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election, the federal government function. Count one, conspiracy to defraud the United States. The allegations contained in paragraphs one through four of this indictment are alleged are alleged and fully incorporated here by reference. The conspiracy. From on or about November 14th, 2020, through on or about January 20th, 2021, in the District of Columbia and elsewhere, the defendant, Donald J. Trump, did knowingly combine, conspire, confederate, and agree with co-conspirators known and unknown to the grand jury to defraud the United States of using dishonesty, fraud, and deceit to impair, obstruct, and defeat the lawful a federal government function by which the results of the presidential elections were collected, counted, and certified by the federal government. Purpose of the conspiracy. The purpose of the conspiracy was to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 presidential election by using knowingly false claims of election fraud to obstruct the federal government's function by which those results were collected, counted, and certified. The defendant's co-conspirators. The defendant enlisted co-conspirators to assist him in his criminal efforts to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 presidential election and to retain power. Among these were A, co-conspirator one, Rudy Giuliani, an attorney who was willing to spread knowingly false claims and pursue strategies that the defendant's 2020 re-election campaign attorneys would not. B, co-conspirator two, John Eastman, an attorney who devised and attempted to implement a strategy to leverage the vice president's ceremonial role overseeing the certification proceeding to obstruct the certification of the presidential election. C. Co-conspirator 3. Cindy Powell. Sidney Powell, an attorney whose unfounded claims of election fraud and the defendants privately acknowledged to others sounded crazy. Nonetheless, the defendant embraced and publicly amplified co-conspirator 3's disinformation. D. Co-conspirator 4, Jeffrey Clark, a Justice Department official who worked on civil matters and who, with the defendant, attempted to use the Justice Department to open sham election crime investigations and influence state legislators with knowingly false claims of election fraud. E. Co-conspirator 5, Kenneth Chesborough. An attorney who assisted in devising and attempted to implement a plan to submit fraudulent slates of presidential electors to obstruct the certification proceeding. And F, co-conspirator six, unnamed, a political consultant who helped implement a plan to submit fraudulent slates of presidential electors to obstruct the certification proceeding. The federal government function. The federal government function by which the results of the election for President of the United States are collected, counted, and certified was established through the Constitution and the Electoral Count Act, ECA, a federal law enacted in 1887. The Constitution provided that individuals called electors select the president and that each state determine for itself how to appoint the electors proportioned to it. Through state laws, each of the 50 states and the District of Columbia chose to select their electors based on the popular vote in their state. 
After election day, the ECA required each state to formally determine or ascertain the electors who would represent the state's voters by casting electoral votes on behalf of the candidate who had won popular vote and required the executive of of each state to certify to the federal government the identities of those electors. Then, on a date set by the ECA, each state's ascertained electors were required to meet and collect the results of the presidential election, that is, to cast electoral votes based on the state's popular vote, and send their electoral votes along with the state's executives' certification that they were the state's legitimate electors to the United States Congress to be counted and certified in the official proceeding. Finally, the Constitution and the ECA required that on the 6th of January, following the election day, the Congress meet in a joint session for certification proceeding presiding over the vice, over by the Vice President as President of the Senate to count the electoral votes, resolve any objections, and to announce the result, thus certifying the winner of the presidential election as President-elect. This federal government function from the point of ascertainment to the certification is fundamental to the United States democratic process until and until 2021 had operated in a peaceful and solely uh, orderly manner for more than 130 years. Manner and means. The defendant's conspiracy to impair, obstruct, and defeat the federal government functioned through dishonesty, fraud, and deceit included the following manners and means. A. The defendant and co-conspirators knowing, used knowingly false claims of election fraud to get state legislators and election officials to subvert the legitimate election results and change electoral votes for the defendant's opponent. Joseph R. Biden Jr. The electoral votes for the defendant. That is, on the pretext of baseless fraud claims, the defendant pushed officials in certain states to ignore the popular vote, disenfranchise millions of voters, dismiss legitimate electors, and ultimately caused the ascertainment of and voting by illegitimate electors in favor of the defendant. The defendant and co-conspirators organized fraudulent slates of electors in seven target states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, attempting to mimic the procedures that the legitimate electors were supposed to follow under the Constitution and other federal and state laws. This included causing the fraudulent electors to meet on the day appointed by the federal law on which legitimate electors were to gather and cast their votes, cast fraudulent votes for the defendant, and sign certificates falsely representing that they were legitimate electors. Some fraudulent electors were tricked into participating based on the understanding that their votes would be used only if the defendant succeeded in outcome-determinative lawsuits within their state, which the defendant never did. The defendant and co-conspirators then caused these fraudulent electors to transfer their false certificates to the vice president and other government officials to be counted at the certification proceeding on January 6th.
That C, the defendant and co-conspirators attempted to use the power and authority of the Justice Department to conduct sham election crime investigations and to send a letter to the targeted states that falsely claimed that the Justice Department had identified significant concerns that may have impacted the election outcome that sought to advance the defendant's fraudulent elector plan by using the Justice Department's authority to falsely present the fraudulent electors as a valid alternative to the legitimate electors, and that urged on the behalf of the Justice Department that the targeted state's legislators um, to convene to create the opportunity to choose the fraudulent electors over legitimate electors. The defendant and co-conspirator attempt to elicit uh, the vice president, at the time, Vice President uh, Pence, to use his ceremonial role at the January 6th certification pro proceeding to fraudulently alter election results. First, uh, using knowingly false claims of election fraud, the defendant and co-conspirators attempted to con convince Vice President Trump, I'm sorry, Vice President Pence, uh, to convince Vice President Pence to use the defendant's fraudulent electors, reject legitimate electoral vote votes, or send legitimate electoral votes to state legislators for review rather than counting them. When that failed, on the morning of January 6th, the defendant and co-conspirators repeated, repeated knowingly false claims of election fraud to gather supporters falsely told them that vice, the vice president had the authority to and might alter the election results and directed them to the Capitol to obstruct the certification proceeding and exert pressure on the vice president to take the fraudulent actions he had previously refused. E, after it became public on the afternoon of January 6th that the vice president Pence would not fraudulently alter the election results, a large and angry crowd, including many individuals whom the defendant had deceived into believing that vice president could and might change the election results, violently and attacked the Capitol and halted the proceeding. As violence ensued, the defendant and co-conspirators exploited the exploited the disruption by redoubling efforts to levy false claims of election fraud and convince uh, members of the of Congress to further delay the certification based on these uh, claims. The defendant's knowledge of the false falsity of his election fraud claims. The defendant, his co-conspirators, and their agents made knowingly false claims that there had been outcome determinative fraud in the 2020 presidential election. These prolific lies about election fraud included dozens of specific claims that there had been substantial fraud in certain states, such as, uh, such as that large numbers of dead, non-resident, non-citizen, and otherwise ineligible voters had cast ballots, or that voting machines had changed votes for the defendant to votes for Biden. These claims were false, and the defendant knew they were false. In fact, the defendant 
was notified repeatedly that his claims were untrue, often by people on whom he relied for candid advice on important matters and who were best positioned to know the facts. And he deliberately disregarded the truth. For instance, A. The defendant's vice president, again, Vice President Pence, who personally stood to gain by remaining in office as part of the defendant's ticket and whom the defendant asked to study fraudulent fraud allegations, told the defendant that he had seen no evidence of outcome-determinative fraud. B, the senior leaders of the Justice Department, appointed by the defendant and responsible for investigating credible allegations of election crimes, told the defendant on multiple occasions that various allegations of fraud were unsupported. C, the, dire the director of national intelligence, the defendant's principal advisor on intelligence matters related to the national security, disabused the defendant of the notion that the intelligence community community's findings regarding foreign interference would change the outcome of the election. And D. Oh, D. Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, whose existence, whose existence the defendants signed into law to protect the nation's cybersecurity infrastructure from attack, joined an official multi-agency statement that were that there were no evidence um, any voting system had been compromised and that declared the 2020 election the most secure in American history. Days later, the CISA director, whom the defendant had appointed, announced publicly that the election security experts were in agreement that claims of computer-based election fraud were unsubstantiated the and the defendant fired him. And E, a senior White House attorneys selected by the defendant to provide him candid advice informed the defendant that there were no evidence of outcome uh, determinative election fraud and told him that his presidency would end on Inauguration Day in 2021. F, there's more. F, senior staffers. <clears throat> on the defendant's 2020 re-election campaign, the defendant's campaign or campaign, whose who sole mission was the defendant's re-election, told the defendant on November 7, 2020, that he had only a 5 to 10% chance of prevailing in the election and that the success of, was contingent on the defendant's winning outgoing vote counts or litigation in Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin. Within a week of that assessment, the defendant lost in Arizona, meaning he had lost the election. G, state legislators and officials, many whom were the defendant's political allies, had voted for him and wanted him to be reelected, repeatedly informed the defendant that his claims of fraud in, this, in their states were unsubstantiated, were unsubstantiated or false and resisted his pressure to act based upon them. H, state and federal count, courts. The neutral arbiters responsible for ensuring the fair and even-handed administration of election laws rejected every outcome determinative post-election lawsuit filed by the defendant.
his co-conspirators and allies, proving okay, providing the defendant real-time notice that his allegations were meritless. The defendant widely disseminated his false claims of election fraud for months, despite the fact that he knew in many cases um, had been informed directly that they were not true. The defendant knowingly a false uh, statements were int int integral uh, to his criminal plans to defeat the federal government function of obstruct the certification and interfere with others' rights to vote and have their votes counted. He made the he made these knowingly false claims throughout the post-election time period, including those below that he made immediately before the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. The defendant insinuated that more than 10,000 dead voters had voted in Georgia. Just four days earlier, Georgia's Security of State, Georgia's Secretary of State, had explained to the defendant that this was false. The defendant asserted that there had been 205,000 205, more votes than voters in Pennsylvania. The defendant, acting Attorney General and acting De Deputy Attorney General, had explained to him that was false. The defendant said that there had been a suspicious vote dump in Detroit, Michigan. The defendant's attorney general had explained to the defendant that this was false, and the defendant's allies in Michigan, in Michigan State Legislator, the Speaker of the House, Speaker of the House of Representatives, and Majority Leader of the Senate, had publicly announced that there was no evidence of substantial fraud in the state. The, defendants, the defendant claimed uh, that there had been tens of thousands of double votes and other fraud in Nevada. The Nevada Secretary of State had previously re rebutted the defendant's fraud claims by publicly posting a Facts versus Smiths document explaining that Nevada judges had reviewed and rejected them, and the Nevada Supreme Court had rendered the decision denying such claims. The defendant, the, the defendant said that more than 30,000 non-residents had voted in Arizona. The defendant's own campaign manager had explained to him that such claims were false and the Speaker of, of Arizona's House of Representatives, who had supported the defendant in the election, had issued a public statement that there was no evidence of substantial fraud in Arizona. The defendant asserted that uh, voting machines in various contested states had switched votes from defendant to Biden. The defendant attorney general, acting attorney general, and acting deputy attorney general all explained to him that this was false and numerous recounts and audits had confirmed the accuracy of the voting machines. The criminal agreement and acts to the fact the object of the conspiracy. The defendant's use of deceit to get state officials to subvert the legitimate election results and change elect electoral votes. Shortly after the election, which fell on November 3rd, 2020, the defendant launched his criminal scheme. On November 13th, the, defendant, the defendant's campaign attorney conceded in the court that he had lost the vote count in the state of Arizona, meaning that based on the assessment of the defendant campaign's advisors had given him just a week earlier, the defendant had lost the election. 
So the next day, the defendant turned to Rudy Giuliani, whom he announced would spearhead his efforts going forward to challenge the election results. From that point on, the defendant and his co-conspirators executed a strategy to use knowing deceit in the targeted states to impair, obstruct, and defeat the federal government function, including as described below. Arizona. On November 13, 2020, the defendant had a conversation with his campaign manager who informed him that a claim had been circulating that a substantial number of non-citizens had voted in Arizona, which was false. On November 22nd, eight days before Arizona's governor certified the ascertainment of the state's legitimate electors based on popular vote, the defendant and Rudy Giuliani called the Speaker of, Ari of the Arizona House of Representatives and made knowingly false claims of election fraud aimed at interfering the ascertainment of and voting by Arizona's elector electors as follows. Defendant and Rudy Giuliani asserted, among other things, that a substantial number of non-citizens, non-residents, and dead people had voted fraudulently in Arizona. The Arizona House Speaker asked Rudy Giuliani for evidence of the claims, which uh, Giuliani did not have but claimed he would provide. Giuliani never did so. The defendant and Giuliani asked the Arizona House Speaker to call the legislature into session to hold a hearing based on their claims of election fraud. The Arizona House Speaker refused, stating that doing so would require a two-thirds vote of its members and he would not allow it without actual evidence of fraud. The defendant and Giuliani asked the Arizona House Speaker to use legislature to circumvent the process by which legitimate electors would be ascertained for Biden based on popular vote and replace those electors with new slate for the defendant. The Arizona House Speaker refused, responding that the suggestion was beyond anything he had ever heard or thought of as something within his authority. On December 1st, Giuliani met with the Arizona House Speaker. When the Arizona House Speaker again asked Giuliani for evidence of the outcome determinative election fraud he and the defendant had been claiming, Giuliani responded with words to the effect of, we don't have the evidence, but we have lots of theories. On December 4th, the Arizona House Speaker issued a public statement that said in part, no election is perfect, and if there were evidence of illegal votes or an improper count, then Arizona law provides a process to contest the election, a lawsuit under state law. But the law does not authorize the legislature to reverse the results of an election. As a conservative Republican, I don't like the results of the presidential election. I voted for, the pres I voted for President Trump and worked hard to reelect him but I cannot and will not entertain a suggestion that we violate current law to change the outcome of a certified election. I and my fellow legislators swore an oath to support the U.S. Constitution and the Constitution and the laws of the state of Arizona. 
it would violate that oath, the basic principles of Republican government, and the rule of law if we attempted to nullify the people's votes based on unsupported theories of fraud under the laws that we wrote and vote upon. Arizona voters chose who wins, and our system requires that we and our system requires that their choice be respected. On the morning of January 4th, 2021, John Eastman called the Arizona House Speaker to urge him to use a majority of the legislature to decertify the state's legitimate, legitimate electors. Arizona's validly ascertained electors and voted three weeks earlier and sent their votes to Congress, which was scheduled to count those votes in Biden's favor in just two days time at the January 6th certification proceeding. When the Arizona House Speaker explained that state investigations had uncovered no evidence of substantial fraud in the state, John Eastman conceded that he didn't know enough about the facts on the ground in Arizona, but nonetheless told the Arizona House Speaker to decertify and let the court sort it out. The Arizona House Speaker refused, saying that he would not play with the oath he had taken up he had taken to uphold the United States Constitution and Arizona law. On January 6th, the defendant publicly repeated the knowingly false claim that 36,000 non-citizens had voted in Arizona. Georgia. On November 16, 2020, the defendants on the defendant's behalf, his executive assistant sent co-conspirator co three and, and others a document containing bullet points critical of a certain voting machine company writing, see attached. Please include as is or almost as is in lawsuit. Co-conspirator three responded nine minutes later writing in all caps, it must go in all suits in Georgia and Pennsylvania immediately with a fraud claim that requires the entire election to be set aside. In those states and machines impounded for nonpartisan professional inspection. On November 25th, co-conspirator co three filed a lawsuit against the governor of Georgia, falsely alleging massive election fraud accomplished through the voting machine company's election software and hardware. Before the lawsuit was even filed, the defendant retweeted a post promoting it. The defendant did this despite the fact that he had discussed co-conspirators 3's far-fetched public claims regarding the voting machine company in private with advisors. The defendant had conceded that there were unsupported and that co-conspirator 3 was crazy. Co-conspirator 3's uh, Georgia lawsuit was, submit, was dismissed on December 7th. On December 3rd, Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani orchestrated a presentation to a judiciary subcommittee of the Georgia State Senate with the intention of misleading state senators into blocking the ascertainment of legitimate electors. During the presentation, an agent of the defendant and co-conspirator one, Giuliani, falsely claimed that more than 10,000 dead people voted in Georgia. 
That afternoon, a senior advisor of the defendant told the defendant's chief of staff through text message, through text messages, quote, just an FYI, a campaign lawyer and his team verified that the 100,000 supposed dead people voting in Georgia is not accurate. It was alleged in co-conspirators one's hearing today. The senior advisor uh, claims, the senior advisor clarified that he believed that the actual number was 12. B, another agent of the defendant and co-conspirator one, again, Giuliani, played a misleading excerpt of a video recording of ballot counting at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta and insinuated that it showed election workers counting suitcases of illegal ballots. And C. Co-conspirator 2 encouraged the legislators to decertify the state's legitimate electors based on false allegations of election fraud. Also, on December 3rd, the defendant issued a tweet amplifying the knowingly false claims made in Rudy Giuliani's presentation in Georgia. Quoting, wow, blockbuster testimony taking place right now in Georgia. Ballot stuffing by Dems when Republicans were forced to leave a large, leave the large counting room. Plenty more coming, but this alone leads to an easy win of the state. Unquote. On December 4th, the Georgia Secretary of State's Chief Operating Officer debunked the claims made in, at Rudy Giuliani's um, presentation the previous day, issuing a tweet stating, quote, The 90-second video of election workers at State Farm Arena purporting to show fraud was watched in its entirety hours at GA uh, Sec of State Investigators shows normal ballot processing. Here's the fact check on it. On December 7th, he reiterated during the, pro the press conference that the claims that there had been misconduct at the same State Farm Arena was false. On December 8th, the defendant called uh, Georgia Attorney General to pressure him to support an election lawsuit filed in the Supreme Court by another state's, general, uh, state's Attorney General. The Georgia Attorney General told the defendant that officials had investigated various claims of election fraud in the state and were not seeing evidence to support them. Also on December 8th, a senior campaign advisor who spoke with the defendant on a daily basis and had informed him on multiple occasions that the various fraud claims were untrue expressed frustration with um, that many of Rudy Giuliani and his legal team's claims could not be substantiated. As early as mid-November, for instance, the senior campaign advisor had informed the defendant that his claims of a large number of dead voters in Georgia were untrue. With respect to the persistent false claims regarding the State Farm Arena, on December 8th, the campaign advisor, the senior campaign advisor, wrote in an email, quote, when our research and campaign legal team can't back up any of the claims made by our elite strike force legal team, you can see why we're zero to, to 32 on our cases. I'll obviously hustle to help on all fronts, but it's tough to own any of this when it's all just conspiracy shit became beamed down 
from the mothership. On December 10th, four days before, Biden's validly ascertained uh, electors were scheduled to cast votes and send them to Congress. Giuliani appeared at the hearing before the Georgia House of Representatives Governor Government Affairs Committee. Giuliani played the State from Arena video again and falsely claimed that it showed voter fraud right in front of people's eyes. And it was, quote, on the tip of the iceberg. Then he cited two election workers by name, basically, basically accused them of quite obviously uh, passing around USB ports as if they are vials of heroin or cocaine and suggested that they were criminals whose places of work, their home, should have been searched for evidence of ballots, for evidence of USB ports, for evidence of voter fraud. Thereafter, the two election workers received numerous death threats. On December 15th, the defendant summoned the incoming acting general, attorney general, the incoming acting deputy attorney general, and others to the Oval Office to discuss allegations of election fraud. During the meeting, the Justice Department officials specifically refuted the defendant's claims about State Farm Arena, explaining to him that the activity shown on the tape uh, Rudy Giuliani had used was benign. On December 23rd, a day after the defendant's uh, chief of staff personally observed the signature's verification process at the Cobb County Civic Center and notified the defendant that state elect election officials were conducting themselves in an exemplary fashion and would find fraud if it existed. The defendant tweeted that the Georgia officials administering the signature verification process were trying to hide evidence of the election fraud and were terrible people. In a phone call on December 27th, the defendant spoke with the acting attorney general and acting deputy attorney general. During the call, the defendant again pressed the unfounded claims regarding State Farm Arena, and the two Justice Department officials again rebutted the allegations, telling him that the Justice Department had reviewed videotape and interviewed witnesses and had not identified any suspicious conduct. On December 31st, the defendant signed a verification affirming false election fraud allegations made on his behalf in a lawsuit filed in his name against uh, the, gov the Georgia governor. In advance of the filing, John Eastman, um, who was advising the defendant on the lawsuit, acknowledged in an email that he and the defendant had since signing the previous verification been made aware of some of the allegations and evidence uh, by experts had been inaccurate and signing the new affirmation with the knowledge and incorporation by reference would not be accurate. The defendant and co-conspirator, again, John Eastman, uh, caused the defendant's signed verification to be filed nonetheless. And this is where we'll stop for uh, the episode um, the song of the week is Sierra's How You Roll, and that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Listen on all streaming platforms.
and uh, have a great day. Thank you for speaking our language. Bye.